0: This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. It was the summer of 1973. Sunshine-filled afternoons. The smell of fresh air in the Adirondack Mountains. ZZ Top, Steely Dan, Stevie Wonder, and Rolling Stones. Their new albums are playing on every single place that you can listen to music. The next, they won the NBA title. Skylab, the first U.S. space station launch. Things, they're going pretty well. Well, until they weren't, and a manhunt broke out in the Adirondacks. Dun, dun, dun. There it is. I've been missing that in (laughs) our episodes. Uh, The dun, 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 you heard is Meg, as always, and myself, me, Matt. Super excited for this one. Uh, The timing of it is a little bit... Uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for unfortunate potentially because at the time of the recording there is an amber alert in the state of New York which is just a terrible terrible sad thing. so if anybody has any details on that if you're in the state of New York obviously you got the alert on your phone they said that uh, any of the tips will help so if you think you've seen something please, reach out and uh, shout deluxe edition network we're on there a couple of new podcasts of the month the graveyard club and terror tuesday which is pretty cool because it's october and halloween Meg, Mm -hmm. this one's interesting and you haven't read anything yet i have not so i'm interested to see kind of how your reaction is blind and there is one really at least hard name that i've been trying to figure out and i just (laughs) forgot about it so we're gonna we're gonna get through that but either way this is the Yorktown podcast and i feel like we should do the intro what do you think Let's do it. All right. Tell me one. One, two, three, go. Well, that intro is creepy, but either way, it's October. Halloween. Creepy season is officially upon us. Whoop, whoop. And... We're going to stick with the 70s in this article. Uh, Apparently, it was a pretty wild time in the U.S. and in New York, obviously, as well. There's a lot of good that came out of the 70s, but a ton of bad things that happened in the world. The previous episode, if you haven't listened to it, go back. It's the Texas Killing Fields. That was also happening uh, mainly in the 70s, but that was just a terrible one, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Just a serial killer. No, I'm not even giving the spoilers. If you haven't heard of it, go check it out. But there's one of these kind of terrible incidents with a with a serial killer that happened fairly close to home. And this is in the Adirondack Mountains. So for anybody that doesn't know, the Adirondack Mountains, they are a massive of mountains in northeastern New York. They are, did you know that they form a circular dome? I did know. I know you know. You're you're an Adirondackie. Is that a thing? Adirondackie. I'm a foothiller. Foothiller. I don't know why I came out like that, but uh, it's about 160 miles (laughs) wide. Covers about 5,000 square feet. Not exactly an ideal place to probably have a manhunt, huh? Mm. Especially in the 70s. Technology wasn't as good, uh, obviously, as it is today. So Not not the greatest places. You've spent some time in the Adirondacks. Probably don't want to be out there as a volunteer or a police officer trying to find somebody. Probably not. It's pretty dense. Very dense. Just like this person's brain. (laughs) 12 crazy nights are something that these residents of the Adirondacks had to go through. And the the story kind of starts off like this. A heavily wooded area. Some might even call it dense. Near the intersection (laughs) of Route 8 and 30, which is in the town of Wells. Wells is in Hamilton County with a population, uh, according to the last census, of 674 people. Pretty popular place. It's booming. Four kids were camping. When an unidentified man with a rifle tied them up and actually proceeded to stab an 18-year-old Philip whiskey I think I nailed it. I'm That's re- how I would say it. I'm going to refer to um, uh, Philip from now on, just to let everybody know. I'm not going through that. I'm stopping while I'm ahead. I'm not going to pronounce that name again. So, State Police and Hamilton County Police were quickly able to name a suspect. You're probably thinking, how did they quickly come up with a name? A suspect? Meg's probably wondering that. Are you wondering that? I'm wondering. Well, let's jump into this because the campers, actually there was a couple of them that were able to escape after he murdered their friend, Philip. And then for whatever reason, the serial killer left their car at the site, then made one of the other campers drive him out of the area. So when the other campers were able to escape, they contacted police. The abandoned car revealed that it belonged to somebody by the name of Robert Garrow, a man who had a very, very, dark and violent criminal record some of this criminal record at the time is known but there's other things that are very unknown when they pull up this man so i feel like we give a little background and i do have to warn everybody that it's it's pretty gross this person is very 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 disturbed so some of these details i, I did try to kind of clean them up a little bit but there is some nasty stuff that's about to come up here so robert garrell was born in 1936 in denomore But actually grew up in Mineville, New York, which is a town near Mariah and uh, Lake Champlain, which is home of what, Meg? The Lake Monster. Chimp. Yeah, which we also might have done an episode. Actually, we did do an episode if you want, so go go check that out, Lake Champlain. And if you're into beard oils, we even did a beard oil from Copper John's Beard Company called Lake Champlain. Anyways, (laughs) he was the son of two pretty poor farmers, and his sister actually would become the mother of another murderer Susan Baso. you ever heard of her? no uh was a Texas serial killer or a Texas killer uh, just a just a dark thing we won't get into it too much but uh yeah ended up taking advantage of somebody trailing them and all sorts of stuff so you have this person who's a serial killer and then his sister was the mom of a serial killer hmm yeah, it just kind of shows up the, the upbringing they have, which we're going to get into right here. Uh, him, uh, Garrow and his siblings, which obviously the sister, claimed that their parents were violent towards them. And they regularly physically abused them. And they would just kind of grab whatever they had near them. And the reports even said that they would pick up bricks and just throw and beat their children with bricks. Yikes. Yeah, double Yikes. Police were called several times throughout the years. They would have to come over there and break up these violent fights between uh, Garrow and his very, very severe alcoholic father. And then apparently there was one very brutal episode when Garrow was 15. And he was actually sent to a prison farm to work. He had a long, gruesome history as a youth. Uh, he was committing acts of bestiality with farm animals, and he was using the milk machines on himself for pleasure. So obviously heading down a very, very dark path, decided to join the Air Force and then was court-martialed a year later for stealing money from superior officers and spent six months in a military prison in Florida. Wild, right? Wow. Yeah, I, I told you it was pretty dark and that's the clean version of what this guy had. So I mean, terrible upbringing and just just a dark, dark path. So he's in Florida then he decides, hey, I'm going to come back to New York and I want to really improve my life. So in 1957, he then gets married, father's a son, and his life didn't improve. Obviously, we're going to talk about it. So he was fired from several jobs, was involved in a very abusive relationship with a sadist man. Robert was then charged in 1961 with first degree rape and was given 10 to 20 years in prison. He was then paroled in 1968, seven years of a 10 to 20 year sentence. Gets out because um, the Syrac- he he was released in Syracuse because he believed they believed they was a model inmate and he was rehabilitated. Huh. Obviously, not the case. But we do seem to kind of have a um, what's it not a running theme. But there's been a lot of cases that these people back in the 60s, 70s, even even later, that they were just like, you know what, I think they're good. We're gonna let them go, mm-hmm. and they're not good. So hopefully, things in the prison system have gotten better since then so he gets out and then he commits a series of rapes and unfortunately many of the victims were children he was arrested for the rape of two very young girls that he kidnapped from an ice cream stand in Syracuse and on July 11th the day before his scheduled court date he rapes and murdered a 16 year old um, we're just going to say the first name Alicia in Syracuse then actually buried her body between his house and Syracuse University at the time, though, authorities were unaware of this murder. However, Garrow um, ended up with, being spotted near Syracuse University and uh, warned uh, by his poli- uh, parole officer. Then when he failed to appear in court for the official charges against him, Onondaga County Judge Ormand N. Gale issued a warrant for his arrest and charged him with sexual abuse, attempted rape, unlawful imprisonment, and even more crimes. On July 14th, he then murders Daniel Porter Daniel Porter, and his girlfriend, Susan Petz, in Weavertown. As a result, a report of a missing couple in the Adirondacks comes up, and the body of Porter was found by police six days later with four stab wounds. Hmm. This then, to kind of catch you up for more, we were talking about with Philip, he then goes and kills Philip, who was camping earlier in the episode, which we talked about earlier, on July 29th. And after the campers and cops get his car and identify him through mug shots, the manhunt for Robert Garrow in the terror in the Adirondacks begins. So at the time, this would be the largest manhunt in New York state history. Hey, this is Sammy from Barrel H Chicks, and I'm here with Yen. Hey, everybody. How you doing, Yan? I'm feeling amazing. <laughs> yes, you are. But <laughs> What we're here to do today is talk about where you can find Barrel-Aged Chicks. You can find us on Google Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. Spotify. Anchor. And Good Pods. Yep. On the Barrel-Aged Chicks, we have myself, Sammy. We have Yin, of course. And then we have Snow, Crystal, and Harley. Yep. Um, we enjoy talking about everything from movies to being current moms to being just the ladies of the barrel H flicks boys and their shenanigans in general. Please join us without kids. Thank you. Yes. Our podcast is explicit content, so it is definitely not for little ears, but come out, let your hair down to hear the chick side of things. Whoop, whoop. It's we, a shit show. <laughs> please join us. We need some mom time. Yeah, it's just starting. There's more. There's more of this. Like this, this story, I actually stumbled upon this story when I was researching something else that I thought would make a good episode. I found this story and I was like, "Whoo! I, I, I have to do this. I, I have to do this because this could easily be a movie. It's a doozy. It's a doozy. That's an understatement. So the Manhunt turned out to be difficult. Obviously, he was ex-Air Force, was uh, an avid outdoorsman with survival skills and had the ability to survive in the Adirondacks. Being yeah. reckless, on the run, and his skill set was a very, very dangerous situation for every single person that was involved. They had roadblocks that were set up at, at the intersection throughout Adirondack Parks. Uh, rec- they actually made, uh, you know, people driving by open their trunks. And that way, the law enforcement can kind of go through all the vehicles and just make sure that somebody wasn't assisting or he had h- somebody held hostage. They were warned every single person that was driving by to stop, to not stop for anyone on foot near the roads, fearing that it could be him. And he might actually try to pose as a hitchhiker. Law enforcement then carry like they were carrying shotguns, semi-guns, rifles, everything through these woods in this area. And I mean, they had helicopters flying. They were broadcasting messages from Garrow's wife and son asking, begging for him to give up and just uh, come home safe. Which obviously, he knows he's not coming home mm-hmm. for everything that he's done. And uh, I mean, could you imagine this is happening in your hometown? How scary that would be, especially if you have young kids, you know what I mean? Like, how do you explain mm-hmm. that to them? terrible, terrible. So, uh, he would, he would then start to break into camps, steal food, steal clothing. He would, he was actually traveling parallel to the roads, which was able to, he was able to escape police that were searching very deep into the woods, thinking that he was in there. So trying to survive, but he was pretty close, I guess. And it was even reported that many locals who didn't already have guns started to buy guns for their own safety, which I've known a lot of communities in the Adirondacks and They're going to be some gun people. They're going to be some people that are going to protect themselves and their families. So um, that was good for the 674 residents of potentially some of those towns for their local gun business. Mm -hmm. But what made this manhunt even more difficult was apparently there was a large number of false reports and sightings that were occurring because people were just scared. They were kind of maybe seeing some things and just kind of overreacting. And it was actually a negative effect in this case. But one thing that did work in their favor, and this is not something, thankfully, that happened this year. But on August 5th, the temperatures actually started to drop and they were able to start to pick up on his movements. August 6th, he was spotted at a gas station. And then on August 7th, they actually found out that he visited his sister's home in Witherby. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've seen a couple of documentaries and it seems like they always try to reach out to family, stop by family, like family's an obvious choice. You think that he'd be a little smarter than that, but they yeah. decided to keep an eye on the house. And on August 9th, authorities followed his nephew to a nearby thicket where he was actually hiding. They used bloodhounds to drive him out, and Garrow ignored commands to surrender. He then takes off, then conservation officer Hillary LeBlanc, then shoots Garrow and brings him down. He was shot in the foot, arm, and back and survived. But it was alleged that he was partially paralyzed from the shooting. But that was quickly deemed not true as he was treated at CVPH Medical Center in Plattsburgh. And the doctors confirmed that he was not paralyzed. So you're thinking, cool, they got him. Case closed. Everything's going to be good, right? (laughs) No, no, it's not. During the trial, trial for the murder of Philip, Garrow told his defense team that he had also murdered the other two people that we mentioned earlier. His lawyers then confirmed the locations of the buried bodies, but they kept the information secret, the lawyers did. To protect the confidence of their client, the defense team aimed to use the information in exchange for a plea bargain. When that failed, Garrow was brought to the stand and under oath, admitted to those two murders. One of Garrow's lawyers was actually brought to trial over this, the public outrage. But then some things went down. It's a pretty heavily argued, uh, apparently, thing over ethics and everything from the from the lawyers keeping this a confession. And the lawyer, who was then going through trial, was actually exonerated. And again, this is something apparently in law books and a lot of people still talk about to this day. Hmm. So after the lawyer does some sketchy stuff, he then gets sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. He is not getting out. He begins a sentence at Clinton correctional facility, which is a maximum facility in Dana which might've made headlines not too long ago for a potential prison break. Uh, maybe we'll cover that one. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. But, uh, Due to his alleged paralysis, he kept re- uh, requesting a transfer to like an elderly and handicapped facility, which would be a minimum security prison within uh, the medium security Fishkill correctional facility is where he was really trying to get to. I mean, I mean, he wanted minimum, but he was trying to get into the medium at least. September 1977, a death threat against Garrow prompted him to transfer to Auburn Correctional Facility, a maximum security it was not until early in 1978 that he was transferred back to Fishkill. So he grew old, Fishkill Prison, story over, passes away, dies in there, right? Mm. Nope. He escapes from Fishkill Prison September 8th, 1978. He was in possession of a 32 caliber pistol that he actually got from his son, who concealed the weapon inside a bucket of chicken that he brought to his father during a visit. The story is wild. Is it, it just... <laughs> it's unbelievable. So then he... Uh, He gets out, Obviously obviously has another manhunt, and they were searching for him after they went through. Apparently, COs did their walk, and he's not in there. So obviously, the false claims about his paralysis kept the guards, thinking, hey, there's no way this guy's getting out. He's paralyzed. He scaled a 15-foot high, for our Canadian listeners, we have an international show that's 4.6 meters. Gets, scales it, escapes the prison, right? He waits in a nearby wooded area... Stays concealed in the brush and leaves until the search widened so that he could continue running. But he ended up getting spotted by the guards a few days later, a few hundred yards from the prison walls. Garrow shot at his pursuers and actually wounded a correction officer, Dominic Arena, in the leg. But then he was shot three times and killed by correction officer Frank Lego. Lego? Lago, yeah. Lago? Lago? L-A-G-O. Shout Frank. But now, he's done. I mean, there's there, there's nothing more. So, after multiple manhunts, terror throughout the Adirondacks, and the terror of a prisoner escape in the Fishkill area, killer's gone, and people can finally rest easy in that the threat and, uh, and just kind of, he, he can't harm anybody and continue to cost taxpayers money, but like we mentioned, is it the only prison break in the area? Nope. But maybe we'll leave that for another episode. <laughs> um, what do you think of that? I mean. That was crazy. Isn't that crazy? It just... Didn't they say that he wasn't paralyzed? The doctors did, but so... he kept alleging. And, and there was a lot of pictures, and hopefully Zach is listening to this and can find some of those pictures. He spent his time in a wheelchair. Okay, but if they had medical documents saying that he wasn't, why would the prison not... I don't know, different times in the 70s. I don't know. Maybe, obviously, there was no e-charts. It's all paper stuff. Maybe things get shuffled around. I don't know. I wasn't. off appearance only. I mean, yeah. I mean, the guy's in a wheelchair. Thankfully, I think uh, things have evolved in the prison system, the medical system, and everything since, but uh, it just, yeah. Bucket of chicken. You know, he and he's sitting there. He's like, 25 years to life. I have time to plan this perfectly, and it wasn't that long that he pulls a uh, Lincoln Burroughs and he gets himself out of jail. That's it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And it's one of those things where you you see a very intelligent, dangerous mind just put to terrible use. Imagine like if this guy ended up being a doctor with his will and his crazy brain, maybe he solved some cool stuff. But instead, he's gone. And, all right. Anything else or you want, you want to hit it with the quote? Let's hit the quote. Let's hit the quote. If things go bad, and everything seems to go wrong the best place to go is right into the remote wilderness and everything's in balance there clarence petty cousin of tom and richard petty i made that up i don't <laughs> think that's true but potentially either way we uh, we always want to give a uh, lots of credit to our sources a lot of good articles by the times union.com murderpedia.org which i had no idea that was a thing hmm pretty interesting website could use some modernization but a lot of good information there and obviously our favorite wikipedia just a lot of dark disturbing details wikipedia robert underscore Garrow so that's all we got that's uh that's an episode we're gonna come back with you guys want a spoiler too bad because we don't know the next one zach's <laughs> gonna either write something up i'm gonna write something up hopefully it's zach or we do have an episode in queue that we might bust out so what do you think of that one it's, I'm, there's really not words for it. It's it's just wild. It's, I just, yeah. As I wrote that, the excitement and I don't know. It, it's a cool thing to be that excited over. So something. much happened. It really, really did. And as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, please, if you know anything, again, the Amber Alert was happened. Uh, we recorded this uh, the night before we released this. It was an Amber Alert for a nine year old girl that was at a campground in Moreau Lake. I probably said a wrong state park. Um, Girl's name is Charlotte, Cena, C S E N A S E N A. Um, Been missing since around 6:45 p.m. I believe on the 30th. Uh, The description all over is five foot one, weighs 90 pounds. Last seen wearing an orange tie-dye Pokemon shirt, dark blue pants, black Crocs, and a gray bike helmet. And again, if you have any information, it says to um, call 911 or the New York State Police. So terrible, terrible thing both these stars aren't great but uh know what is great hanging out with you meg and i greatly appreciate it and every single person that let us just i don't know get in your earbuds in your ear holes and <laughs> for this entire episode so that's all we got until next time this is the your town podcast we'll see you next week bye okay. bye Later. hey this is casey Shearer, and this is ray do you like pop culture we're pretty sure you do then come on over and check us out at deluxe edition. Show. You will not be sorry. Or maybe you will be. I don't know.